I really do try my hardest to never think that like somebody's working under me, but that they're working alongside me. Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports Artie Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession, snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. It's, I can't believe it's the end of September. I mean, it's weird. Like, I feel like months don't matter anymore. You know, after COVID, it's just, I don't know, whatever this is. But I don't know. It's like feels somewhat like real life, which is nice. Um, But yeah, hope everyone's doing well. I mean, I haven't seen anyone in like five years. But but yeah, I'm excited to have Lindsay Langford on today. She honestly shares such great advice for like everybody. Anyone who's going to listen is going to take something away from her, which is just awesome. Lindsay works with a variety of athletes. She wears so many different hats, which is super cool. And she shares the behind the scenes of fueling the U.S. women's national soccer team at the World Cup and Olympic Games in Tokyo. And we dive a bit deeper into Enneagrams. Lindsay Langford is a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics with a bachelor's and master's degree in nutrition and dietetics. Lindsay received her bachelor's degree from the University of Alabama and master's from Louisiana Tech University. Lindsay has been with Ascension St. Vincent Sports Performance for 13 years, working with athletes from middle school to the professional level. Through ASVSP, she consulted or has consulted with teams such as Indiana Pacers, Butler University, Indiana Colts, Indiana Fever, and U.S. Soccer Women's National Team. Lindsay is married with two young boys and enjoys all things outdoors, traveling, and house projects, and David's Buddha Blend Tea. Let's jump in and let's meet Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Liz. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. I feel like you've been super, super busy this past, I mean, with the soccer team and just a lot going on. What's going on in your world? Yes, yes, I have been busy. Um, I mean, uh, a lot of it has to do with I've been super sad to lose our SNP. Um, and Anna Turner was, um, our other dietitian who worked with me and she's had a baby and decided to go into, um, a little bit of private practice and some virtual things that she's doing. And so I'm, I'm a one man show at this point and, um, anxious to hire, which actually I do have a job that will be coming up in like two or three weeks. So, but Ooh, yes, that's exciting. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super excited to, uh, to be able to welcome a teammate again. So yeah, that's so funny because I'm, it was used to working alone and now I have a snip this year and now I can't imagine working alone again, but I don't know how I did it. Like what if I just did I know. It? Yeah, exactly. So, and then, but then the good thing is, is like trying to figure out how to justify that position because you can't live without them. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. So good luck. Um, with that. Yeah. So I like to start these episodes off with how we know each other. So what I was mentioning is you were so busy because weren't you in Connecticut like a month ago with the soccer team? Yeah, that's true. I know. I, I sent you a DM of like, Hey, this is totally last minute. And, um, but I'm here. 
And yes, we were there for our um, send-off series, which was super cool. So there was just a, a camp in Connecticut and we did some heat training at the Corey Stringer lab. And that was really, really awesome. Um, got to go on a couple of runs in, in your downtown area. And yeah, so that was fun. That was funny when you were like, I'd love to see you, but COVID, like, you know, it's like, we're all like, know where everyone is, but it's like, you can't like see each other. I know. I felt bad though. Like, I couldn't come to your No, I understand. Like, what if I got you positive and then the soccer team couldn't go to Tokyo? Like, that'd be like not (laughs) not my intention. It made me so happy you were at UConn though. Yeah. Yeah, that that was fun. It was was really interesting though, just like driving out. I mean, it was a long bus ride because we were staying downtown. But then you drive through like dairy fields and cornfields out there. Did you go to the dairy bar? Did you go to the dairy? No, no, we didn't. Um, yeah, like we didn't really get to do anything fun, obviously, because of COVID and just like crazy tight restrictions. Yeah. Olympics, but um, yeah, but um, it's it pretty. Also, I don't know if it was you or Anna, but maybe three years ago, my boss who hired me at UConn, Beth Getz, went to Ball State as their athletic director. And now you guys, because you could, you, um, contract yes, with all state, right? absolutely that's right I, I forgot about that connection um yes we run a at this point it's been a virtual sports nutrition program it was kind of in person year one year two COVID hit we went virtual mm-hmm. this year is year three and we're still proceeding virtual um from budgetary restraints and things obviously again still due to COVID but um yeah we can we can talk about that, but I, yeah, you, you paved the way with, with Beth for us. So I appreciate that. She's definitely found a value in nutrition and been able to, um, allow us to provide services to the ball state athletes. Yeah. I love that. And then fun fact, there's no way you would ever know this, but the very first position I ever applied in in sports nutrition was the St. Vincent's Fellowship back in 2015 ever. But uh, no. And I was laughing. I don't know how I remembered that, but I was like, wait, like, cause I have my computer, like all my documents are saved. So I just like Googled like, or looked up my cover letter. It is so embarrassing. It was like, I have no experience yet, but in two weeks I'm going to UCLA. Oh, <laughs> but I was just like, yep. So that's the first thing that I saw. And I remember I was in my dietetic internship. But don't, didn't you, I don't know if you still do it, but like those eight week fellowship things. Yeah. Yeah, we did an in, I mean, that was like straight up what I would consider an internship because there was not a ton of experience needed, um, but it was for our NFL combine program. And oh, so- okay super fun program where we have, I mean, most people are probably familiar with the combine training program, but yeah, we needed just more hands on deck and have been, um, have had interns for that program for many, many years. Unfortunately, it's one program just financially was not overly advantageous for us to continue. And so we haven't had that, um, to that level. Right. Okay. Anyways, fun fact. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't realize that. Liz. All right, so let's jump in. Can you take us to your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today? Yeah, so um, I, probably like a lot of your guests, I kind of was looking back on some of your other guest lists and was like, yeah, we're, we're about the, the same, same age, same experience level. And so um, pr- 
again, like, like a lot of your others, there were just very few opportunities for, for sports, but I knew that I wanted to go into sports in undergrad. Um, and so I went to university of Alabama and at that time there was no Amy Bragg. There was so funny. You had to like pay the student athletes to go to a football game because we went through three head coaches in my four-year time. Like we were terrible. And so, yes, I, um, was, was at Alabama during that time, but, um, started out in athletic training and quickly realized that like I I wanted to definitely be in sports but that was not my um, preferred career path and so took a nutrition course along the way and and switched over my like junior year and so um, but it was definitely kind of the same experience of many like it was a very clinical setting Um, so I had an advisor who was like I mean this really isn't a field but we're happy to try to connect you, um, in different ways. And so I ended up doing like a internship for the summer at Cooper clinic in Dallas, Texas. And they're definitely like a wellness clinic, but they did like, I mean, back in the day, they did like aerobic certifications and like to become an aerobics teacher, but it's a really like pretty pristine organization or, or community in Dallas, Texas. And so it was definitely something to have on the resume that was, um, that got my foot in the door, not of sports, but definitely in the wellness realm. Um, and then after university of Alabama, I did another internship in Colorado Springs at Carmichael training systems. Um, Chris Carmichael was the coach for Lance Armstrong. So it was, a um like learning how to coach endurance athletes is basically what this internship was about it really wasn't nutrition related but that was my dream so in college I was a collegiate cyclist and like I wanted to be Lance Armstrong's like my like laser focused dream which still hasn't come true but um (laughs) but it was a good start and so um yeah, I kind of learned a lot on exercise physiology out there and, and the training aspect and that, that was really cool. And then, um, did dietetic internship at Louisiana tech university, moved to Indianapolis with my husband and honestly just sought out, um, St. Vincent sports performance at that time. They didn't have a sports dietitian. And so, um, They allowed me to work contract for them um, for their NFL prep program that, yeah, eventually grew into a full-time job. So that's a little bit of a long-winded story. What what year did you start at St. Vincent? Um, Oh, nine. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I've been here a long time. Yeah. Like, how has that been? Like, just seeing that throughout the years, like, is it in, like, did you ever imagine like what it could become? I mean, I'm sure you never saw COVID coming, but like, just, I mean, that's a long time to watch something grow. Yeah. I mean, really Liz, it's my first and only job, honestly, like that's pretty rare within our field. And I feel like I've had like a lot of envy of other dietitians, like, man, it would be so fun to just like apply to all these other jobs because I've been at the same place for 13 years. But here's the interesting thing that's kept me here is that like every year, I really do feel like there's a new contract that comes into play, new team that I get to work with. And it's like, 
it is a whole new job to me again. I don't have to move, um, which sometimes is like really fun. I like, I love traveling, but that, that is definitely what has, has kept me here. And so for those that may not know, like I've, I've been at Ascent, we're now purchased by Ascension. So it's Ascension Sports Performance, which is a total mouthful, but um, I do get the opportunity to work with a lot of different teams and individuals. Um, We have contracts right now with, again, Ball State Athletics, Butler Athletic Department, um, U.S. Soccer, Indiana Fever, um, which is the WNBA team. And um, yeah, and then the rest of my time. So that's like 90% of my time is pretty much spent with those teams and organizations. But then the extra time is still spent with working with individual athletes here in the Indianapolis area. Um, And that's anyone from like middle school athlete is definitely the lowest that I go. I would say majority of the time, it's more high school athlete um, up to, you know, um, adult recreational athletes. A lot of 40s, 50s, um, even 60s triathletes or or runners or um, cyclists looking to to learn more about nutrition or or whatever that may be. So there's a lot of different hats that I wear, and that's definitely what has kept me here for 13 years. Yeah, well, maybe not that long, 12 years. So that's amazing, though. And do you? I feel like you're the first person I've interview that I mean it's pretty rare to be able to like do all those things and wear all those hats does that ever feel like hard in the sense that you want to go all in with a team but you can't because you're you're is it consulting is that yeah. Right? Contract yeah. yeah yeah for sure um it, it I've definitely seen jobs on the listserv and I'm like oh gosh it would be super cool or even just my current situation to like just go all in with a team, but I'll tell you there's, um, I mean, pros and cons to everything for sure in this field. The closest that I got, I'll say like, I was with the Colts for three seasons and my contract with them was four days a week. And so I honestly felt like I was all in. I mean, during training camp, I was there all day, every day. So I lived that world. But then once the season started, I was there like Mondays were like off days or recovery days. And then I was there Wednesday, Thursday, or sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were like the hard training days. And then Fridays were off and then there were game days. So, and I didn't go to many games. I mean, a lot of that was kind of put in place. And so I felt like I was fully there and like fully entrenched in a team. That's the closest that I feel like I've been. Um, and I, I definitely like loved that world because they're like true relationships and you know, you're really making a difference for sure. But then there's the other side of it. That's like, man, I mean, I get my weekends, I get my like 40 hours of work week. Um, and, and honestly, I still do love the variety of like, yeah, working with a team full time is super fun because again, you know, you're making an impact on all of those things. But it's, it's also really cool to be like, ah, tomorrow I get to go work with like a 30-year-old cyclist tra- or triathlete training for a half marathon or training for a half Ironman. And so, um, I don't know. Yeah, I like the variety of it. No, it's interesting because, I mean, I know I'm just at like one school, but then there's also like 20 teens, you know, so you have that. Yeah, exactly. Thing, but it's interesting too, because now that because 
you know you have to spread your time those things that you choose to do with those teams have a huge impact because you have to be specific of what you're going to do so it's also not like a loss in the same way as well like you're spending time when you need to in their off season or when you know it's appropriate so yeah I totally agree I think there's like pros and cons but it's just interesting because I don't can do it all but you can I don't want to say do enough, but you can be smart with your time, but also make an impact. But I just think it's interesting if like, you're like, here are some of my services because I can't offer everything because I have to be over here. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. But you're exactly right because you just feel like you have to be, I think it's made me a better practitioner and a better, absolutely time manager. Because when you go in to work with that team or that organization, like you have to make an impact. And so what are the things that I'm going to do today to make an impact with this team? And so it's not just going in and hanging out at lunch with them or chit, just chit-chatting. Now that serves a ton of value in relationship yeah. building hands down, but it is, I'm coming in with a mission today and today we're doing sweat testing or today, you know, women's national team, same thing. I feel like I've been able to do a lot of super cool things that every time that I come into camp, I've typically had like three missions of working with them at each camp. And so, and that's been a lot and it's been really impactful, but again, it's just like really being organized and thoughtful about how am I going to spend this team's money? Like what Mm -hmm. is, are the ways that I can make the most impact um, in the amount of time that I have. And so I think like, honestly, if every dietitian thought that way, even in the collegiate setting, like you really can be super effective, but it does mean that like, you have to sit down at the beginning of the year and like plan out what you're going to do and not just live in a day by day. Yeah. You know, that's great. I love that. Um, can you talk about behind the scenes of fueling like the women's um, U.S. national team of just like the, the World Cup in 2019 and now like in Tokyo, what is kind of your role or just the behind the scenes of, you know, fueling those athletes? Yeah, so I um, I started with them in like December of 2018. And um, honestly, I feel like the first six months, like anybody knew was, was just coming in and like evaluating the scene, um, learning what my role could be and, and should be. And so, um, and that was in going into 2019 was, um, was a lot of the world cup prep. And so essentially with us soccer, with their women's national team, there are different camps and I won't say they're every month, but it's typically a couple months in a row and then a month or two off. Um, so it ends up maybe being in a year, like eight camps a year or so. And so my role is to come into those camps for several days. And then it's, it's kind of up to me whether I'm meeting with players individually, but typically there's always like a presentation that I'm giving with like the initiatives for that camp for me. And so, um, and I can talk about that more in in a second, but, um, so yeah, that's, that's my role is to come into those camps for a few days. Usually those camps are about two weeks long and typically I'm coming in for anywhere from three to five days, honestly, depending on what other things are going on. And then there's about three days out of the month that I'm also spent just like working remotely. I mean, there's obviously prep that goes into it and even working with athletes individually. Um, so it, it, it turns out to be, I mean, around 10 days a month or so with them. Um, and, uh, I, I would say it's been just like, um, at first, just 
again, like I was saying, evaluating where, where I can fit in and what my role can be with that team. Um, but they're, they're definitely a top niche group. That's like, um, their, their nutrition is really buttoned up. And so it's like getting creative of like, okay, what do I do now? This is not like your collegiate. That's interesting. Uh, I don't know. Or even I should say high school, like softball team who could care less about nutrition. Like they're at the very top of the elite pyramid. And so it's like the smallest things that you feel like you can make a difference. But, um, but I will say like, we've, we've gone in a lot on like lab work that honestly was not really done before, or it was not fully evaluated in like our sports nutrition realm. Um, we've gone into more like hydration testing. We've, um, we've done uh, a lot of menu revisions, um, that was, has been extremely welcomed. And so, you know, you provide them good food and everyone's happy. Um, yeah, what else? I mean, on the field protocols, the heat training, all of that has, has been just compiling one camp after another to, to feel like we're fully ready for, for the Olympics. And obviously the Olympics didn't turn out the, the way that we had hoped. And, um, we have like a debriefing meeting next week to, to touch base on some of that. I don't really know any answers on that, but still extremely, um, happy as a whole. I know the team is, um, with bronze medal. So, yeah. This episode is sponsored by Momentus, and we are talking all about their collagen peptides. Momentus includes a type of collagen in their formula called Fortigel. This is made up of type 1 and type 2 collagen and is sourced from pasture-raised germine bovide hide. Fortigel has been designed and tested specifically to promote collagen synthesis in tendons and ligaments. The Momentus team also was sure to include 15 grams of collagen in every serving and vitamin C, which helps improve collagen synthesis and absorption. I've noticed my joints feeling a lot better after using it consistently, and I can see how this product is a no-brainer addition to your athlete's and personal routine. For RD Snippet listeners, Momentus is offering 20% off your first purchase of $40 or more when you use the code RDSnippets at checkout. Check out their website and collagen peptides at livemomentous.com. And don't forget to use the code RDSnippets for 20% off your first purchase of $40 or more. Thank you so much, Momentous, for sponsoring this episode. Was there a lot of planning like in Tokyo with the chef or just like, was there a lot of unknowns just with the protocols or did it feel like there was a system? I'm sure the time difference was just, you know, to adjust. Like, yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because they were 11 hours ahead of me or behind me, however, we're almost split half and half. I guess that would be ahead of me. Um, it was like, I mean, some, some nights I'm up at 2 AM trying to just communicate with them. Um, but there, I mean, I would say overall things went really well. We literally started planning menu and speaking with the hotels probably six months ahead of time on specific menu items and how are we going to sort things. And we originally were told that like they can't source any, any berries at all. So no blueberries, strawberries, no, <laughs> we're like, and, and we were there. The team was there. I was not there. The team was there for four weeks, like two weeks of a pre-training a long time Olympics. So that's a long time. And on the menu, I have built out like, 
here are the things that need to happen at the, like the fruits that need to be available. And next to strawberries, it says heavy because they eat so many strawberries. And now you're going to tell me we can't get any berries. So that was like a really big one. And it turns out they just like, didn't want to source them. Like they had really no berries. And I'm making like, this is like national news, but like, this is an issue. <laughs> it was definitely an issue. And you know, another really one was like, they couldn't get dark chocolate chips. Isn't that odd? <laughs> but they found they found solutions. I mean, they had to import them from some somewhere. I don't know where. But they but. have like pineapple smoothies with like mango and banana. <laughs> right, exactly. You get creative. At first, they said it was like cantaloupe. I don't even think we could get watermelon. It was like a list of six fruits, and we were well, this is not going to work. So, did they not eat at the village? Like, no, they okay. didn't. So, um. The way that soccer, and there are a lot of different sports that are this way, that they're actually housed like off-site somewhere. In, in okay. And so, no, we were not in, in the Olympic Village for the most part. I think there were a couple of training sessions that they went into the village, but. I can blame the berries for the bronze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but we were able to get, that's it. So we, we were good. That's awesome. What a, you've been a mentor. How many times have you been a SNP mentor? Like five? Um, no, not that many. Three. Oh, maybe <laughs> you're like I don't know. I think it's three. Like a yeah, lot of times. That's why I'm asking you. A lot of times. I feel like you've been well, for a ton of times. So why I'm asking you this is I want to know like what are like the best tips to being a really good mentor to like a fellow or just someone working under you for like any dietitians that have people that you know work under them and you know want to help them but also help add value to their you know department. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that I try my hardest. I mean, I know that there is reality to this, but I really do try my hardest to never think that like somebody's working under me, but that they're working alongside me. And I think that that like having that little bit of a mentality, I, I hope at least, um, gives that intern or fellow and I do think there's a difference between that but if we're talking SNP like definitely a fellow um gives them that confidence to know that I'm like approachable um and gives them confidence and kind of autonomy as well like they need to to know that they can make some decisions on their own and they can fail as well and that that's okay but um but definitely being approachable and even like hiring Anna Turner many uh, six years ago was like we we were co-workers for sure like we're 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 working alongside each other and I just yeah that's a mentality that I like to try to have for our fellows as well but um and then I also think like knowing when to push them and knowing when to hold back as well because there are definitely times where I feel like we've had fellows that specifically or like fearful of, to give you a tangible example fearful of like the endurance world you know like y'all don't get a ton of that in the collegiate setting meaning like I'm training for an Ironman triathlon right. you know you just you just don't have that experience and so um that has typically been one that's like feels scary to a lot of fellows and so knowing no like this is this is your time to learn like this is your athlete that we're giving you and like push into it, learn all that you can and certainly providing them with resources and papers to read and so forth. But 
I, um, I feel like it's walking that ginger line of like knowing when to push them and when to pull back and just educate. So, um, yeah. And then just being like generous with your time too. Um, all of our time is very valuable, but, but giving up like that one night at home with family and kids to like go to dinner with, with mm -hmm. fellow and knowing them more than just like a working relationship. So I love that working alongside of them. They don't work under you. I think that's like really good advice. Cause I think that's, it, it makes it easier. I think for the mentor too, you know, yeah, for you, sure. are you are a team. You can't do this work by yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Do you have any um, advice for like fellows that maybe are kind of fearful, like that, not like they should be pushed, like it's our job to push them, but any advice to like fellows out there? I know there's probably a ton that listen of just like kind of just going for it or just anything that you have that can maybe help take away that like anxiety or fear of messing up. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, <laughs> From the, the, the great words of, of Amy Colt, for me, like these were words spoken to me and I, she probably doesn't even remember this, but it's like, I had to confront a really hard like conversation. And so I, I could relate this to a fellow who's just fearful and they were super simple words, but they like resonated with me. And it was like, you can do hard things. That's it. But you can do hard things. And I think it's like, stepping like taking that deep breath and stepping through that barrier of like I can do hard things I can do hard things I can do hard things yes I did hard things you know and just like I don't know um forcing yourself to do those things sometimes it can be the hard part but then you get through it and like nine times out of ten don't you say to yourself that was not as hard as I built it up to be in my head right yeah. And usually when you mess up, it's because you didn't even know that like you should have been prepared before. Like you weren't even nervous about it because you didn't know you should have been nervous about it. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Usually you're just like, wait, how did I just do that? That was awesome. You know, like usually you yeah. surprise yourself. But yeah, like what's the worst that can happen if you just go for it? Like usually like not much bad things can happen. Yeah. And what's... if you learn something because you messed up, that's where you got experience. So there's kind of nothing almost to be afraid of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that. Yeah. Some of that like blissful ignorance though is really nice too. Um, the <laughs> like funny story is that, so how I even like got into sports, I have to attribute it all to that internship at Cooper clinic in Dallas, Texas. Like that got a name on my resume that then Carmichael, Carmichael training systems looked at and was like, Oh, Cooper clinic. So the way that I even got in, and so maybe this is a piece of advice and it's persistence, but the way that I got that internship at Cooper clinic, like I emailed them like begging for an internship. And what did they say? They said, no. So I was like, what am I going to do for this course that I have to get this internship for? And I really want it to be in some form of sports. And so what did I do? Like blissful ignorance, I drove over there. What if I do bliss? <laughs> yes. I drove over there and like knocked on her freaking door. Hi, I'm Lindsay Langford. I'm like 19 years old and I really want to intern with you. And, and she let me. So I'm like super thankful for that. But at the time, like, I will tell you, I didn't even think twice about it. I just thought, okay, they said, no, what's my next step. I'm going to go visit them in person. And so, um, 
Yeah, I guess the moral of that story is a persistence, but then also just some ignorance, blissful ignorance is a blessing. Does that go away as you gain more experience? It sounds super unfortunate, to be honest. I know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's things that I've done that I'm like, I I would not have done that if I didn't know, like I didn't know about something else, but I'm so glad I did it because it actually worked. Like I wasn't, I don't know what I was doing, but if I would have thought there was a rule or what I would have known, I wouldn't have gone out for something or whatever. And that would have been my loss. So yeah, yeah hold on to that ignorance. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's nice to, to not know your barriers. <laughs> I love that. Best advice that you've ever received in your career up until this point? Um, besides the, you can do hard things. Um, and that really has been advice. Are you familiar with the Enneagram? Yes, that was, I actually didn't know about that until Lauren Link's episode, which is, I feel like a lot of people know about mm-hmm. that. And now I am fully aware of, I'm a three. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, I feel like probably most, I don't say most, but I could see a lot of our field being a three. But yeah. I'm a nine and a nine is the peacemaker. And so, but you know, in the Enneagram, you like have your wings and then you have your triad. So there's a lot of me, like the three sixes and nines, like all kind of connect out of my like threeness that I feel like I, I exude, I feel like fairly well, or they call it, um, I don't remember all the terms, but anyways, um, as a nine and being like the quote peacemaker, like handling confrontation is very hard, um, which is hard for everyone, I think. But but it's definitely something that I think we all have to learn how to healthfully have conflict. And like one quote that I read at one point was that there's no relationship without confrontation or conflict of some sort. Like there's no relationship without confront I think the word was confrontation used and if you think about it like any hard conversation that you've had to have with someone typically like strengthens that relationship or provides more like roots or more depth to that person or to that conversation that you've had or that relationship with them and so again like stepping into some of those things that feel really scary I think can um have been very very fruitful um But then there's another like small piece of of, um, advice that was given to me by one of the chefs that I worked with at the Colts. um, And it was like presentation sells. And I think about that quote and I I really like live by that a lot. Presentation sells. Like when you walk, I mean, you think of it around food for sure. You walk into the dining hall and if it looks good, then we're going to consume it. And so... um, using garnishes, using different plates. Like it's very tangible thing within the food service world. But I even see that from down to like handouts that I'll create or interns will create or even proposals that I may send to a team. Like how does it visually look on the, on the paper? And so I just think that like presentation sells is something to really, that resonates with me. And that if I'm going to put my name on it, I really feel like I want it to look good and be presented well. And so presentations that I do and so forth. So, yeah. I love that you're a nine. Cause I feel, I took a survey like around the polls of the Instagram and I feel like everyone wrote there were threes. There was like two ones. 
And then I think eights are good with confrontation. I don't know if that's yes, that true. they are. So, You're right. So I've actually understand people's personalities now that I know that their enneagrams are. But um, anything else about a nine that we should know? Because I don't think I know much except for the peacemaker or like I don't know anything or stories that you yeah, have. Yeah. So another like so nines are are also like typically seen as like really laid back people. And I do think that I'm laid back, but they also like kind of term it in a negative way. And they, they're like the sloths of the Enneagram, like they're lazy and like hard to, they find it really hard to get motivated. And so there's that part of me that I'm like, damn it, I am not a sloth. I am not. I am dying because you're going to beat me through a rapid fire question that it's, oh, it's, I will not. I'm just gonna think of you as a sloth from now on. So not my fault. You you put yourself in that uh, Well, I will say when something like feels hard, a really big project, it's like I don't even know how to get started. And I do feel that sense of like overwhelmingness that it's like I'm just gonna push this to the side and like ignore it for a while because I don't know where to get started with it. Um, and that's a very typical characteristic of a nine. Um, but in general, I'd love to feel like the term they use is a resourceful. I feel like I'm a resourceful nine that like, I, I recognize those feelings, but I'm able to like continue to push through or whatever. <laughs> I just see like conflict in you coming in the middle of like the peacemaker, like the pe- <laughs> yes, yes. And I feel like that's I do serve that role in my organization a decent amount of just um how to bridge people together. Amazing. All right, ready for the rapid fire round? Sure, let's go. All right. If you could choose a popsicle flavor, cherry, grape, or orange, what would you choose? Grape all the way. Yeah. yeah. Grape, do you think it's underrated? I feel like people don't give grape enough like credit. You know, I've been like super stoked in all of these new electrolyte companies to bring grape on board. The right stuff brought grape, then drip drop, then scratch, then I don't know who else that I may be leaving out, but grape is my favorite flavor for sure. All right. right. Do you feel like they all serve a purpose, like a certain mood? Like, would you, does that make sense? Like, like, I don't think I'm like, passionate about orange but there is a time and a place for an orange house I can see that but I think for me nine times okay. I'm, I'm pretty stable with the grape so this might correlate with favorite Tootsie Pop flavor still grape Tootsie Pop. One? um yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah um mm-hmm. do you know like I don't know if this is true but you know how some of the Tootsie Pops have that like stars on the label Oh yeah. Stars mean the gas station get a free one or something. I think they used to be something special back in the day. I remember it was like a Indian and Maybe a bow. that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the star was right there within the bow and arrow. Yeah, I remember that. But it I did. don't know if there was like an incentive for that. I'm I feel like there was, but I've I can't recall. I like the um the maroon one. I don't know if you I think that's raspberry. Oh, and- I never okay that makes sense because it's not sherry I just never called it any. it was just the maroon one yep raspberry I know okay what animal is your doppelganger oh my gosh oh so yeah maybe it's a sloth that um (laughs) that occasionally gets really pumped up on like green tea and makes things happen so 
I think for your episode, like, what if, like, instead of you sending out a picture of yourself, how about, like, a sloth holding green <laughs> With Lindsay's face and sloth. Yes. All right. Yeah, I definitely set myself up for that one. No, oh, I'm so glad that we could, like, correlate during the interview. All right. Is it caramel or caramel? Neither. It's caramel. <laughs> caramel. Caramel. I don't know now. Caramel. Yeah, it's caramel not apples. Car- okay, it's not caramel. No. Not car- you're right. It's. <laughs> you're saying car- Carmel, like Carmel, California. <laughs> I don't know now. All right. Car- yeah. car- caramel. Caramel. <laughs> Favorite sun chip flavor? You guys eat sun chips in Indiana? Oh, yes. Um, the red bag. What is that? Oh, garden salsa. Garden salsa. Yes. But you know that they recently came out with like a chili lime and I tried it the other day. It was really good. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people like the garden salsa, but the French onion is good, but your breath will like, it's just a little too strong. I like the original, but I feel like people don't, <laughs> you don't buy sun chips as often. And I think they should. So they're an underrated chip. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone's wondering, I can really bring up rapid fire questions that need attention. Okay. I don't want to know what your first favorite soda is. What's your second favorite soda? Hmm. And Liz, you're going to be bummed out on this because I just don't really like sodas. Like I never grew up drinking them as a kid, but I will come up with an answer for you and I will go with Coke Zero. Because my first would be Diet Dr. Pepper. Really? Yeah. But I told you I'm not. Yeah. No, but doesn't that taste like medicine? You like it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You like root beer? Oh, I forget about root beer. Yes. That's why I'm asking, because I think that's everyone's second favorite soda. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, I could totally put that as number two now that you've convinced okay. So it's like I'm manipulating the conversation. Yeah, I think you're mal- manipulating the data. On- I just want everyone to get a root beer. It's just not like a, you know, no one goes, that's not their first choice. It's usually diet. Yeah. Okay, on to the last question. Are you ready? Okay. If you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say? Mm. Um, to pay attention to clinical nutrition, right? Like, yeah. I, for sure. And I feel like if to be the best practitioner that I could have been or could be is like, I totally glossed over clinical nutrition because I didn't love it. Like I knew I wanted to go into sports. So it was just like the checkbox that I did. Um, but I personally would love to even go back and take like clinical nutrition courses now, just because I know that it would make me a better practitioner and like really diving into lab work and, um, assessing like the full parameters, not just assessing your athlete. It's more when there's an issue, right? Like to have the athlete with type one diabetes, you know, I mean, like that's still a struggle for me. Um, and any just pre-existing condition. So that's more on the serious note, but it is for real. No, I think it's good because anyone in an internship, because now people know they want to do sport. I know you said you did too, but like yeah. now that sports really is like, like a, like a known field. Like, I think it's easy to be like, well, 
like clinical, like I, you know, this isn't where I, my passion like lies, but yeah, you can, those skills will translate a hundred percent in sports. So I think it's a really good point. And even if like, you're not loving the setting or like your mentors or that sort of situation, you might not agree with everything, like the skill set, just give that a hundred percent because you'll thank yourself later when, like you said, you have type one diabetes, any athlete can get lab work. You better know what absolutely the iron iron panel is like, that's all stuff. Even down to like kidney disease where you're doing like electrolyte values, you know, like electrolytes over, like learn that understand how they interact together um understand the formats of them that again it's like it's a kidney disease patient I'm, I'm just not like overly interested so yeah that was definitely me and that's um the advice I would tell my younger self I love it I picture you like on a Saturday night reading like a clinical textbook as a sloth with green tea in your hand so <laughs> it's motivated <laughs> let's go the gsd yeah well Lindsay, thank you so much for your time today it was so fun having you on and um sharing all your advice really appreciate it yeah thanks for the invite liz and i I know your podcast is is doing some great things and helping some young and old rds so thanks for all your work as well thanks appreciate it have a good one ma'am you too see ya bye-bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Sports RD Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another Sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports RD Snippets to see what Sports RD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.